Hi everyone. Welcome to Upstart Live with Payu. Upstart Live is a podcast series featuring entrepreneurs and thought leaders from across various sectors in the Indian startup ecosystem. So if you're looking to grow your business or just a proud enthusiast of India's growing startup economy, this is the right series for you. I'm your host for the session today. My name is Mansa Pandit. I'm a part of the marketing team at Payu India. In today's session we have with us Gaurav. He's the founder of Panical Foods and he's also a part of our Payu merchant list. So we are very happy to have you with us Gaurav and uh, over to you. Uh, thanks Manasa and uh, it's a pleasure being here. Just to start off with uh, I would just like to give you a brief of how we came about and how we started off as a business. I'll have to uh, kind of go back to around 2005 and 6. Uh, that is when I started off the first venture, uh, so to say. Uh, so I had just completed my MBA, and uh, me and one of my classmates we started out QSR, uh, which is a quick service restaurant in Pune, and that that actually kind of sowed in the seeds for entrepreneurship. And uh, we did it for a, a few months, I think. We had our work commitments, and life was just starting out, and then probably didn't work out at that point in time. But somehow that seed remained, and uh, actually time passed, and I was last working with uh, Nielsen, uh, which was erstwhile known as AC Nielsen, which is a, a large data analytics firm, and we used to work. Uh, I typically used to work with large uh, corporates uh, and help them take database uh, decisions. at that point in time say around uh, 2016 17 uh, we were working with a large set of clients doing some cutting edge research on analytics you know what happens is if you're surrounded by data all the time right you are having consumer data market data this and that sooner or later you will start seeing some opportunities here and there and that is what i think happened so i particularly saw an opportunity in the gourmet foods and health foods category so to give you a broad perspective during that period 16 17 that area that year fmcg category as a whole was growing at around 8% and the gourmet health category within fmcg was growing at a phenomenal 30% uh, so in fmcg space in india which is a very conservative growth market you had a pocket of high growth areas right so i identified that as an area of interest and then uh, started discussing it with my wife sonia uh, sonia is also a director in the company and she kind of was very pivotal in the whole thing and we she encouraged me to take the leap and uh, that's how panical food happened and we decided that we would work at the intersection of gourmet as well as health food category and so we picked sugar free dark chocolates so dark chocolates was typically a gourmet category and sugar free was a health category so we kind of merged both and said this looks like an attractive market uh, especially given the background that there were too many indian brands at play you only had amul which offered a sugar free dark chocolate uh, so to say there were one or two smaller brands uh, so we thought that's an interesting category and uh, let's start the journey there and that is where we started and uh, at that point in time none of us had any background in manufacturing so we had to learn everything from scratch like you know from where to source the machines how to do the packaging how to do this and that and chocolate is quite a technical product unlike what normally people think So yeah, that is how it all started, and uh, it was started with a firm belief that you know that not knowing will never be a hurdle, not learning will be. So we kind of learn, 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 and that is what we have been doing since then. 
That's quite a journey, uh, Gaurav. Thank you so much for sharing. So I have a few questions for you. I'm going to start reading it out for you and you can uh, then take them on. My first question for you is, as an entrepreneur, obviously, when you uh, talk about the good parts, I'm sure there have been enough challenges that you've faced, right? So what were the challenges that you faced during different time periods of your journey? So starting from a pre-launch phase, when you're actually kind of planning it out, the key challenge that we face is, you know, defining the brand values and defining who our target customer was, right? Because you start off with a broad idea that, you know, you want to get into this product category, but at that point in time, you don't have a customer persona ready. Probably it is not a challenge for many entrepreneurs, but for us it was because I was coming from a hard research oriented background. So we were like, you know, we want all these answers, right? So that was a challenge for us. The data was available at a broad macro level. The market size was available. The kind of brands were available, positioning were available, but target customer was a little foggy at best. So we thought, who's our target customer? And we tried to define it. So that was one challenge that we addressed and it took some time doing that. Sounds easy, but it is really the part that you can really mess up and target the wrong customer with the wrong product and you are a dud to start off with. So that is something that we wanted to avoid. Apart from that, you know, in terms of the data inputs that we had, a lot of it had to be intuition based, as I said, right? So you would just talk to our friends and we think, ah, this banda looks like our customer. Maybe we can ask him what he eats, what he likes, how much does he spend on this and that. So that kind of basic rough sketch market analysis also we did pre-launch so that we could arrive at some price points, some product categories, those kind of things. So pre-launch the challenge was getting these things right. So when you have these things right, then they will guide you and give you inputs into the next phase of designing the product. Right. So with this uh, knowledge and what we wanted to achieve with the product, we went into the product development and creating something that doesn't exist before. Right. So you don't have benchmarks to fall on and improve things. You are creating something out of nothing. So the challenge was getting the design right, the look and feel right, product and the placement right. So in each of these areas, we had no experience. So there was a lot of learning that we did in terms of even the design aspects of it, because we had to talk to a lot of graphic designers, a lot of printers, and the language that they spoke was alien. So we actually had to learn their language to talk to them, right? Because they would come back and say, Ki aap GSM FBB le lo, ya GSM SBS board le lo. And for the life of us, we didn't know what FBB and SBS was, right? We only knew 80 GSM JK bond, because that is what our office used. So you would have to learn, you know, these things as you go along. Now, in terms of manufacturing chocolate, I took personally a training workshop with uh, IHM Faridabad. Uh, so we are based in Noida. So IHM Faridabad was offering a course in chocolate making at that point in time for a two, three day uh, session. So I took that and understood a lot of nitty gritties of chocolate making because mostly what happens is home bakers are using compound chocolates. So these are dark white milk compounds that they use, which have hydrogenated fats in it, okay, vegetable fats. So these chocolates, you just melt and you just chill them. So they get molded. But with actual chocolates, you use cocoa butter, right? And cocoa butter has a special temperament. It needs tempering, a process where you increase the temperature and then decrease it to crystallize cocoa butter. If you get that wrong, your chocolate will never have a snap. Uh, so it's a very technical process that you need to get right. So we found out which machineries we can use for that. And we uh, obviously didn't want to cut corners on the product quality. So we imported some machines from Italy, which are considered one of the world's best machines to do this. And uh, so we learned a lot there. And then finally, uh, getting the recipe right. That's the key. I mean, at the end of the day, you design the package, everything with the chocolate doesn't taste good. 
uh, everything is down the drain so that took a lot of time it takes a lot of trial and error you have to do things again and again and that's how you do it and learn because uh, obviously there's no template to follow and uh, another challenge we had was we are based in noida so ncr is not a chocolate manufacturing region uh, noida typically is a garment manufacturing region so if i need a master tailor who can do uh, xyz process in garment i can get dime a dozen but if i'm looking at somebody who knows chocolates there's nobody available because the closest food company we have here is haldiram and they're making amkins and wafers so we hired people and we had to train them from scratch uh, we had to explain to them food safety we had to train them on food safety food handling and then come up to chocolate and what the processes are so that was a challenge but of course it was fun because we were also learning and teaching them so that was fun so marketing uh, i mean when we started off uh, this was something around 2019 when we came to market the strategy was very 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 simple we thought that we'll cater uh, be a brick and mortar company and we will supply goods to uh, retail uh, outlets in ncr and that would be our first step into the market right and uh, of course because you are there you just get listed on uh, one of the larger marketplaces uh, so we got that done but we were not very active there right once we started we started with approaching uh, traditional uh, retail which is our mom and pop outlets might look like a supermarket but typically they are single or two store operations and then the second one was modern retail right modern retail would include your large multi outlet chains and uh, you know so uh, in traditional retail we did achieve uh, success uh, we were able to get a lot of stores under our ambit primarily uh, because our strategy was very simple we had a differentiated product which they were anyways not carrying on their shelves so we were not competing with any of the larger brands for shelf space uh, typically and retailers would generally accept a product which is differentiated because we did not uh, go through a distributor so we were a direct to retailer brand so we could offer them better margins so whatever the distributor margin was also being passed to the retailer so they they uh, kind of uh, accepted us uh, with modern retail the story was little different it was uh, basically all modern chains when we approached them showed them our samples had discussions with their purchase teams and all uh, the requirement from their side was simple you had to pay them to get listed and uh, in certain cases the fee was as high as 1 and 1/2 lakhs uh, somebody was asking for 80000 and this is this is just this is just to get your product on their shelves this this has nothing to do with anything or follow up orders or guarantees or anything so i mean we discussed it internally we discussed uh, it with our partners also partners when i say i mean vendors as well as uh, i mean internally we are only a two two member team we discussed with the friends also and they said ki theek hai because you get visibility you get an exposure you should do it and but we were not really uh, keen on it because he said ki yaar 2 lakh rupaye kisi ko deke putting your thing on the shelf doesn't make sense to us and we did not do it and in hindsight now uh, post pandemic we were the lucky brand which did not do it there are a couple of other brands which i know of who did it and during the pandemic their receivables from these big retailers just kept mounting and right now whole of their working capital and cash is blocked there because uh, i mean of course these retailers are not uh, doing it janbuchke they are also facing a huge cash crunch uh, so that is what in marketing we did and uh, so we started off as a brick and mortar company and um, i mean things changed only after the pandemic for us in terms of strategy when we started we we thought we had a broad strategy but uh, now i realize we didn't have a strategy we had a plan 
so i think it's it's also a uh, it's a matter of where you need to step back and say ki okay we plan to do this this we do not plan to do this 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 and i think once you get that uh, vision and clarity right that is where you start performing and this helped us uh, kind of make our uh, product offering focused we knew who our customer was through this exercise of strategizing and our strategy is very simple i mean in two lines i can tell you our strategy it's at it's actually create great tasting super healthy products that help our consumers achieve their health goals that's our strategy i mean we we are very clear that uh, healthy product should not come at the cost of taste while we talk about challenges what is the most challenging hurdle that you have had to overcome in your journey uh, the most challenging hurdle that we have faced uh, i mean i would not break it down into operational issues yet because there there could be operational issues with production it could be with marketing it could be with manpower but i think the most challenging part is inertia uh, and i think it is for any any brand any business right uh, because entrepreneurs typically will be strong headed people otherwise they wouldn't be entrepreneurs they are strong headed opinionated people right and that is what at times helps them grow but not always that can go against you and it it, it has uh, gone against us also in many cases where you think you are right and if i think uh, this should be this way it has to be this way but we have realized that you have to be nimble you have to listen to feedback from customers from employees from your vendors from your other partners yeah that feedback is not always going to be something that you like uh, but you will have to react to it objectively and look at the data objectively and i think that is the greatest challenge uh, because once you start operating 6 months down the line you think yeah yeah my process is set customer ko four days mein delivery nahi hui that's not my problem is the problem with say this courier or that courier warehouse hai midway wahan pe curfew laga hai it's not my problem but the point is it is your problem you cannot deny things saying this is our process we will process your refunds in 5 days i mean that's not that's not how things work so you will have to be nimble customer says ki nahi your product is not up to the mark this brand is better don't just go blasting out on him ki you don't understand chocolate you don't understand ice creams you don't understand this or that whatever you know so don't be defensive don't be defensive take it with a pinch of salt but analyze it and react to it because you might need to tweak a bit here and there brands like pizza hut and dominos have done it you are not bigger than them at this moment right so don't be arrogant about your product and the other challenge that i see is you know uh, new businesses start behaving like old businesses very soon i mean and i always quote as an example amazon on this it's the world's largest e-commerce company it has revenues more than the gdps of nations and still if you want to return your charger of 300 rupees they will collect and refund it to you they will not ask you why and we are trying to inculcate this Uh, and we're learning from them and we have inculcated it to a great extent we don't ask questions uh, to our customers if they say we are not satisfied the, with the product it's a 100% refund if they say i received the product but one bar was slightly broken in shipping we will ship them another bar the whole shipping and the bar cost is borne by us so we don't ask customers questions because and this is a very big because they did not ask you any question before buying so i think that is where we are trying to focus and uh, i mean more than a product company we want to be known for the service that we provide right because i'm sure i mean today we make great chocolates 10 other people make great chocolates tomorrow 20 will make great chocolates right but the confidence someone you should have from buying it from our website which is narcis.in and narcis is our brand is that this brand will not take me for a ride if i am not satisfied they are going to refund my money they will listen to our feedback tell you as an example we have customers uh, uh, from places like ranchi 
a tier two, tier three town who have purchased chocolates worth more than thirty thousand through the year from us, a single customer. Uh, it's something that we were so surprised and taken aback by the amount of trust people have with you and the lifetime value of a customer. So we started tracking that as a matrix rather than cost of transaction or profitability per customer because that is those are very short term. So I think th- these are some of the greatest challenges that we face, like breaking our inertia, reinventing ourselves uh, strategically or through products, and trying to kind of uh, have a vision where customer service is paramount. product profitability everything else is second so uh, gorav now that we have covered the challenges what do you think that the greatest weakness or the greatest strength for an emerging brand is uh, what i would say broadly is don't be inside out right uh, and what i mean by that is there are so many brands and businesses that we are seeing not only from india but across the globe which are too intrinsic focused that we can do this we are good at this and this is what we are going to serve right for example if a brand makes great kettles right and they they keep saying we make great kettles we make great kettles we make great kettles but the country doesn't drink tea what are you going to do with it right i mean this is this is a very very exaggerated example uh, but brands i have seen behaving like that that you know so i think the greatest opportunity rather than a, a strength and a weakness comparison is that you should look from outside in so look at real life scenarios where you can find opportunities and then try to align them with the strengths that you have for example i mean there are a couple of brands started by young mothers which are making organic good for you kind of products for babies right from age of 6 months to like 6 years right and they have just had that journey and they could actually relate with the challenges that they might have faced during that phase right and they have come up with products which are catering to that so these are organic they do not have preservatives and this and that and they are good for your babies right so i think that's a brilliant idea and the niche market exists and because you can only grow from a niche you cannot go grow into in a mass market because there are already tens of players in the mass market so identify your niche uh, i'm purely talking from a product angle uh, it might somehow apply to other industries but from a product angle i think niche has to be created so the next question for you is what would you say for in terms of your brand has been some of the wins in terms of strategy product and marketing for you we are very happy to share uh, one fact uh, with you here is that you know nearly one third of our business so around 30 between 30 and 35% of our business is from repeat customers which is typically very high for a fmcg brand right uh, so because the cost of acquiring new customer in the digital age is quite high irrespective of what people say or believe in uh, the transactional costs are very high i mean right from the point where you start advertising or social uh, engagements uh, to the point where the transaction fructifies then of course we have to pay uh, other charges like couriers like payment gateways like all other things that are there so it becomes a costly affair so having repeat customers is the only way that a brand can survive so we are very happy with that the 30 35% is a very high number and that probably is a testament i mean it, it's a pat on our backs we take it that way that you know uh, somebody is buying from you again and again so he likes your product he likes your service he is not and he is going to spread the word right so i think that is something that we consider as a win taking that ahead i mean we have been revamping our products in fact we are in the process right now and um, uh, around mid september we will launch another range of our products which are like uh, 100% sweetened with natural sweeteners right so this will be like a around 50% better product than what we currently have 
so uh, those things are things that we are uh, looking at and uh, basically again it all comes from the guiding philosophy that we have you know creating great tasting healthy products which can help our customers achieve their goals how do you see the situation for emerging brands like yours especially in the pre pandemic and post pandemic era i know there's been a lot of changes you yourself given that you are uh, you have been here since 2019 you must have been faced by the with the biggest question mark in your head right when the pandemic came into being so what are the key learnings that you have picked up from this pandemic phase uh, in pandemic uh, the first phase of lockdown that, that happened in march 2020 uh, was bad for everybody right personally as, as a business and it was bad for us especially because on 18th march 2020 we had launched a new product in the market and on 24th march lockdown happened and we were a brick and mortar company right so launching a product would mean you have shipped out your products to these retailers and that product is in transit and by that time we had grown and we had added cities like chandigarh bhopal this and that to our portfolio so a lot of the material was in transit when the lockdown happened and you can imagine if my chocolates are lying for one month in a 42 degree warehouse anywhere right so that whole stock was destroyed but anyways that happened we were out of action we were sitting at home so me and my wife we were racking our brains ki abhi rent kahan se denge and uh, salaries dene hain ye karna hai wo karna hai so somehow we were planning that on the other hand we also got an opportunity to kind of look back and uh, analyze things from afar right if you are always in the thick of things like operationally solving problems doing this doing that uh, you really do not get that sense of objectivity which you get when you move out of that situation so that happened and we thought okay let's let's re- replan and see what we can do so while we were doing that one thing was very clearly coming out uh, there were two aspects so the first aspect that came out to us was that our receivable cycles was going really high uh, so in terms of retailer when you supply to retailers typical cycle is you supply one lot they'll say ki acha will pay you when we order the next lot so you are already always stuck with one lot of this now 2019 was not a great year in any case uh, economically and uh, you know growth that the retail industry saw so our collection was taking 55 to 60 days which was like two months of working capital blocked second during the 2017 to 2019 period there was a huge mushrooming of retail stores in ncr so gurgaon delhi noida had a huge mushrooming of retail stores primarily because a lot of new sectors a lot of new apartments got occupied so everybody opened a kirana ka dukan niche thinking this is the business to be in i mean two years down the line most of them could not survive they could not manage the operation so we saw people just vanishing overnight and we had a few cases of bad debts that was uh, something that we faced second thing that happened was not from the uh, channel side the second thing that happened was from the consumer side so we realized that we ourselves are not going to the retail outlets and nobody else is also going uh, because everybody is now scared of corona so they don't want to spend too much time outside the house and what they what you would do typically is either call in ki you know bhaiya ye sab bhej do or you would just order it on big basket or grofers or uh, any other such service and what what would happen to newer brands like us is you would not have a top of mind recall so if you wanted to order a chocolate you would not order an arses you would order a brand that you are very familiar with right it could be a tobler non or a ferrero rocher for that matter but it has 
to be a top of the mind brand so that and online people were now more comfortable buying groceries right everybody ha ha yaar this this has become the new normal so we thought that even after this ends that normal is not going to go back because convenience one uh, and habit another right so we said now it is time for us to take this call and get out of the brick and mortar business because it is going to be a very high cost high service uh, market from now on with low returns because retailers will be wary of keeping more stock than we did right especially for perishables like chocolate because they'll have to use a fridge to keep our chocolates in so we said let's get out of this and let's get into online and so that that was the biggest change that happened during the first wave for us the whole creation of our website creating the look and feel of the website uh, and developing collaterals for the online marketplace and all those things we did during those one and one and a half months of lockdown that is where we also learned a lot on the digital marketing side because you had no knowledge about digital marketing so we learned about you know creating websites we learned about facebook marketing google seo and all of that and to the best of our abilities and then we started that and we found uh, uh, that you know there are a lot of tools and help that you can get on the digital side i prefer to work only with the best like for example when we are looking for a website so we looked at shopify and that kind of uh, solved our uh, all our needs you know, it had it had a ready made platform so people suggested why don't you do it uh, customized development i said because i don't know the parameters to learn the parameters will take one year and these guys have been doing it for years so they know what an e-com site needs and if you can't get the exact customization you need you work around it you try and find apps and plugins that will help you with that but i'm not going to do a custom uh, website with say for example a payment gateway so we are working with payu because you find that you know there is an easy integration you just need a one code uh, secret key from your side once and once i entered it into shopify it is integrated right it works like seamlessly and anything that happens is reported to us you know any transaction failures a transaction has happened and it has not captured in uh, my website so i can track it back so those kind of things you need to work with the best you can't cut corners there the second approach that we kind of looked at because we had to kind of uh, internalize it uh, is that we were a brand which was bought on the stores right so you would walk into a store pick up our chocolate and walk back versus now you come to my website you are going to enter your details search through the products select products buy it so the kind of engagement that you have with the brand is far higher now you are interacting with me as a brand now rather than just a picking up a product putting it in your basket so this is a double edged sword because now the customer wants validation of his choice because he's gone with a newer brand right he could have gone to a cadbury or a bonville but he's bought your product thinking that okay you know you you see a lot you're promising a lot and he expects product to be actually better than what is promised so getting that right was a challenge it still is sometimes with some customers but we have a golden policy don't argue with the customer customer is always right so that has helped us i mean i think uh, yeah in terms of yes uh, pre and post pandemic world what has changed is we were trying to please the retailer first because if he's happy he'll stock it in a visible third shelf now we are very focused only on the customer any personal thoughts on being an entrepreneur right what has been your biggest experience uh, learnings from this experience i think uh, first of all it's a great feeling i mean you are your own boss you are creating something valuable hopefully uh, you are creating products that are making customers happy the product is your baby so when customer says uh, chocolate is great you feel very happy about it you feel proud you are providing employment to a certain number of people depends on your scale and so overall it's a very fulfilling experience so to say right uh, however it's tough 
the best thing that you can have you know is group of close friends and partners who will tell you the truth yaar this is this matlab tu galat jala ja raha hai right and but who will also support you no matter what so i am lucky to have that uh, partner and close friends who will always support and who will always speak the truth no matter if i like it or not right so i would recommend that anybody who's looking at a startup starting on his own the business look at your support system the another learning that i wanted to share for, with the group uh, mansa is always look at the cost of growth especially in this era of where you are reading about venture capitalist deals every day it becomes difficult to resist that temptation and you want to kind of get out and see where you can raise funds for that growth but it has a cost it has a very big cost and in our case we realized it when we did not pay uh, modern retail for listing we got out lucky uh we did not suffer from those but i know of friends who have brands who have done it they have lost huge amounts of money like you know somebody has lost 30 lakhs somebody has lost more than 5 crores but it depends on what your purse size is right the losses that you can sustain so look at growth from both angles one is sustainable growth one is unsustainable growth because if you go grow too quickly you'll have a lot of set of unsatisfied customers and you will not recover from that so i think look at that take it easy I think entrepreneurship is a long-term uh, journey. The point is, you have to complete the journey, right? Uh, I think now the culture for uh, entrepreneurship and startup is more of glory. People are seeking that glory too soon, and that is where most most entrepreneurs and most startups are failing in the first years because they have invested too much too soon. They have invested the money they did not have. and uh, it will always help you if you have a backup plan so something along those lines there is a very nice question mm-hmm. did you give yourself any time period or a deadline to decide the fate of your uh, entrepreneurial journey if you have a certain obligation financial burdens financial responsibilities maybe for your children maybe for your parents maybe you have to pay the house emi and there's only a certain time uh, till when people are going to lend you money right then i'm, I'm sure you must have a deadline saying that okay but the deadline should have a goal attached to it which should be realistic right so if you, if you are making losses on year 1 and year 2 year 3 you can't put ki main 5 crore profit kamaunga you have to give yourself operational goals ki if we achieve this then okay i am going to give one more year if we achieve that i am going to because it's not going to be a whole turnaround within one year very few cases like that exist so that's a practical side of the story second if you have a support system which can sustain it for a longer time draw out a long term strategy i'm not saying be lax about it here i have money to burn i don't care but you can then grow slowly you can take your time with it and you can rectify your mistakes uh, but very few lucky people will get that luxury so i think uh, erring on the side of caution you should have a deadline so got a uh, one question about key points to remember as a founder i mean first and foremost things will go wrong no matter what so things will go wrong but it's okay and you will have to navigate through those challenges and you have to navigate through uncertainty you have to remember i mean i read uh, someone's interview yeah it was uh, rajiv bajaj of bajaj auto right i mean somebody asked him what's your role what is your role in this company he said he could not answer it right you know he said yeah yeah i manage and the ceo this and that and this no your role is not that your role is a problem solver you are the problem solver of this company if you are not a problem solver don't start off work from support for someone because that is where you will thrive if you have to be an entrepreneur you should innately be a problem solver right you should rush into situations of problems and try to solve it you should be comfortable having uncomfortable discussions right if you have to fire an employee who has been there with you for 2 years it's not easy 
right most of us have not done it our hr managers take care of that right they will give you some long mail which means nothing and it just means that you are fired right but having those uncomfortable conversations is key you must thrive in difficult situations difficult negotiations so if you are not up to it don't 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 a job is a great place to be at uh, gives you a lot of satisfaction also especially given current situation but if you want to be an entrepreneur just thrive in all these things and at the end of the day you can pat yourself back uh, at your on your back have a drink saying yaar i negotiated really well and if you did not if you did not just make a note of it so that next time you do not we have done this mistake we have negotiated really badly with one of the dealers that uh, we were dealing with and i came back home so upset i was upset for two days think uh, it's exciting uh, but if you not cut out for it test it at a smaller level because otherwise things can go south even today when we, when i see sometime elon musk's interviews he's crying he's saying i'm spending 22 hours on tesla's floors i'm sleeping in the factory i'm working i mean so that that is what it will demand at the end of the day absolutely gorov thank you for that one last question i missed asking you this we are talking about indian brands here right so what mm-hmm. is unique about being an indian brand what areas of business are the most different right now for new emerging brands See, I mean, firstly, I believe that there are immense opportunities for Indian smaller brands to start off now, carve their own niches, and grow the niche and get become mass market uh, products in the next five to ten years. Right? A case in point could be, you know, you look at Haldirams. I mean, I just mentioned them, and I remember now. Now they are unparalleled, at least in North and West, uh, North India. Uh, yeah, a very strong market hold, and they were a niche brand to start off with, and you saw their growth, how they grew to a, to being like a almost a 6000 crore company now so there is an opportunity there which larger brands are going to miss they will not see those opportunities because it is outside their purview they are not looking there so indian brands can actually look for these smaller opportunities and try and uh, you know engage on them so that is one and brands with relevant products tailored for indian consumers right for example fab india Fab India used to sell one kurta, cotton kurta, which I used to buy when I was in college for around two fifty three hundred rupees. Now there is nothing available in Fab India for less than three thousand rupees, right? And it has grown in those twenty years. Now stands for something, right? So that's the growth that you can expect when you cater to a particular need within that uh, community. So Indians are very peculiar. Somebody from Chennai is not going to have the same taste from Mumbai, right? so what can you tailor and cater to them is something that indian brands will have to look at positioning is the second thing most of us we come back uh, come either from service class uh, backgrounds so our parents have been working for the government or in the private sector or we come from business communities most of them who have been traders right so very few people come from product driven uh, families right people who have created products so i think what we lack is that positioning angle because we think something that is cheaper on the market is of okay quality is going to sell but if you are trying to create a brand that is not going to work you will need to have a very razor sharp positioning which we did not have in the beginning and we are trying to bring that in right now so it's not a sagely advice it is the it is the pain that we are going through right now so that is one that uh, indian brands uh, will have to focus on and thirdly i think most importantly is that you know uh, we are all talking about made in india right make in india made in india we proudly put it on our packs and everything that made in india made in india now if if i just ask you to consider made in germany tag or made in italy tag or a made in china tag each three each of these tags will trigger an emotion in you 
right? A made in Germany product is a very well engineered, sound quality, long lasting product, right? It is absolutely the best an engineering company could do. If I think about Italy, I'm thinking about design and good engineering to go with it. If I'm thinking about China, I'm thinking, oh, nobody will be able to beat it on price. What am I thinking when I say make in India, made in India? That space is still kind of a whiteboard. Nobody has occupied it. No, There's no positioning on make in India, except for the fact that we're feeling proud. That's a nationalistic feeling. But what will somebody sitting in US think about made in India? So Indian brands will have to create that. And I think the space that they can occupy here is exceptional, exemplary customer service. Because if Indians are buying your product, your product can be replicated. Your chocolates can be replicated. Your menus can be replicated. Your processes can be replicated. But your customer service cannot be replicated. So I think that is an area where Indian brands can excel. And uh, customers are very forgiving. If you give them great service, they will forgive your product uh, deficiencies. Absolutely, Gaurav. I think we covered right about everything that is to do with the Indian brand. And thank you so much for taking some wonderful examples that help people relate to it. I think this was one of the uh, best conversations I've had in a while. And uh, we look forward to having you in another session. Maybe I will reach out to you then. Thank you so much, Gaurav. Thanks, Manasa. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Payu presents Upstart Live. Upstart Live is a podcast series featuring entrepreneurs and thought leaders from across various sectors in the Indian startup ecosystem. Thank you all for tuning in today. This has been a wonderful session. To understand more about the fintech world or just pay you in general, follow us on our social channels. We are across all platforms. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. Meanwhile, do share suggestions on what topics you want us to address in our next session on our social channels. Also, please feel free to check out our podcast in this series. See you soon. Till then, grow more, do more and be more. Thank you.